0: We're in the city, for the city, and we believe in the God of the Bible, the God who revealed himself to us through the Bible, right? All right. Let's pray and ask God for help this morning. We all need help understanding the Scripture. Lord, I thank you so very much that you've brought us together today. I thank you so very much that we can come and and share in this room, and we do pray for those that are unable to make it today, Lord, for health reasons, other reasons, or pray a blessing on them. We pray for healing and continued miracles and new jobs uh, for those uh, that are uh, needing them. Lord, we believe that you're a God of miracles and you're a God that brings change. We thank you for what you're doing here and in the city. We thank you that next week we have an opportunity to serve uh, in a meaningful ways. Lord, as we approach the Scripture and the words of Jesus, we ask for help. Help us understand and help us apply it. We know that it's worthless if it's just an intellectual exercise of learning new facts and information. And it's worthless if it's only inspiration. Lord, we, we hear your words that um, faith without works is dead and that you're calling for a response from us. And to that end, we say, God, we need help. We thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. I love summer. Myself, personally, um, I love, it's one of of my favorite seasons, especially because I grew up in the very rainy, overcast Pacific Northwest, 200 days a year where you don't see the sun. Depressing. I love being here where you get to see the sun, uh, even the cold, clear days, but I love the summer, love and enjoy the summer. And so I had a little bit of fun uh, with this series on prayer that I'm titling Airline. Okay? And um, if anyone wasn't here last Sunday, Joe, can you help me? If you'll just raise your hand if you weren't here last Sunday. We don't mean to embarrass you, but I want to give you something to help remind you of what we're talking about in this series. Those of you that are looking at your Bible, we're going to start in Luke 11. Okay? Luke 11. Towards the back there, you've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Luke 11 is where we're going to start today. Now, you may or may not know, Rebecca and I, we love the ocean. We love fish. We have always kept... Um, fish. We love fish. In fact, when we were living as newlyweds down in Richmond, Virginia, coming up here for the aquarium, yes, we were tourists once upon a time, even though we have now almost four years here lived in the city and we love the city and everything that is not touristy about the city. But we were tourists once upon a time. We love the aquarium and coming up for the aquarium because we love fish. And as such, if time and money were no object, I would surf and scuba a lot. Uh, But time and money are objects, and so I don't. But if time and money were no object, I probably would actually have gills installed um, in my body if that were possible. But I've done something, I don't know if, if any of you have had the kind of tourist experience where... You've done the um, it's you don't have to be scuba certified. They put a scuba regulator in your mouth and then they run the airline, the hose for the oxygen uh, from your back up to a raft that has all the um, oxygen supply on it. And you hope that there's no one up there that doesn't like you. Um, but it's it 's a great way for a a new beginner uh, that, like me, who loves to snorkel, loves to free dive um, a, a chance to go deeper uh, because of this oxygen supply right now prayer we talked a little bit last week about our relationship with God that God is the living God, the one true living God, his name Yahweh, it means creator and redeemer, so God is Are the creator of the universe and our redeemer in that he brings healing and fixes and makes right our mistakes. But not only is he our creator and our redeemer, he is also alive and active in a personal relationship with us. And we talked a little bit about how communication is the foundation for relationship. Ben was talking a little bit about that. Uh, For those of you listening to the recording, I'm not referring to myself in the third person now. Ben Waybright was um, telling us a little bit about that in his story this morning. Communication is essential in a relationship um, in whatever form, nonverbal, verbal, written, but communication is foundational. It is essential. In fact, um, in a relationship where you start to give each other the silent treatment, it would be similar to putting a kink in or cutting off the supply, the air supply, to that relationship. The relationship begins to choke. You, you hear what I'm saying? It begins to be starved. It it, it begins to feel panicky. I mentioned that um, asthma as a medical condition, as I understand it, is where you can take air in, but you have great difficulty in letting air out. And so breathing becomes uh, difficult and, 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 and would feel very claustrophobic. And you'd start to feel a little panicky, right? We may have some asthma sufferers here today. So prayer our open communication with God is like an airline. And so I'm just giving you this little gift, and it may be a choking hazard, so please don't put it around babies. Uh, but this is a reminder for us. You can keep in your purse, your pocket. You can put a hole in it, put it on your key ring. You can do something. But as a reminder to us of this kind of series of what we're talking about, it, it is an airline um, to us. It's a way of communicating. And so I want to go um, to Luke 11, and then Joe, if you will also help me. Let's. For anyone that wasn't here last week, i also put this in your hand that over this five, maybe six week period we're going to use. So I'm also giving you a card on which you can um, write three people or if you like issues that you are praying for. You can just write down, slip it in your Bible, your pop- pocket, tape it to your forehead, I don't know. Uh, but you have a card here, who are you praying for? And on it we have the psalm. Uh, 62, eight. trust in Him at all times, pour out your heart to Him, for God is our refuge. And then a reminder on the bottom of Luke 11, our text for this series, and the bullet points, if you will, easy-to-remember points that we're going to be walking through that you can apply, that you can actually use. On the back, I've put a variety of types of prayer, since what we're talking about in this series is just one type, okay? So I've kind of put that on there um, to help you grow how many of you are glad for an opportunity to grow Amen. all right me too okay so <clears throat> let's go to Luke 11 Luke dr. Luke is telling us uh, uh, the part the story of what occurred when Jesus uh, the Son of the Living God our Messiah our sent one our Savior came to earth he's describing with great detail uh, what occurred so Luke 11 verse 1. Once Jesus was in a certain place praying. As he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples to pray. Jesus said, this is how you should pray. And you may have memorized the words, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. The New Living phrases it this way. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we need and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation. Then teaching them more about prayer, he told a story about persistence. Now, Jesus knew people. Jesus was 100% God and 100% human. No one else has ever been that. No one else will again ever be that. That's Jesus. The most verifiable fact Jesus came, he lived, he was put to death, he was executed, and then he came back to life on the third day. Jesus knew that we would need help. Now, what we have in this case are the disciples, and I've been referring to Peter's perspective on and off as a way to kind of help us see the personal side of this. So, Peter, somebody who was married, someone who had worked hard to build up and be a financial partner in a family business, a fishing business, owned a couple of boats, would pay other people to be involved in fishing from the lake and throwing out nets and and bringing fish in, who had frustrations. Peter would not have left his business and his means of paying bills for his family to follow Jesus around for three years if he wasn't frustrated. And we see from the stories that Peter had insecurities, he had fears, he had doubts, he had a temper. And that he was kind of living out loud in front of these friends. And these friends that together, they're following Jesus, they knew. And so he would kind of get out in front of them at different points and say something and kind of put his foot in his own mouth. And, and, and he, But he wanted to continue to grow. And so he kept showing up. He kept following Jesus. He kept... Asking questions. Now, the way Luke phrases this, we don't know which one of them asked this question, but we do see in multiple occasions that Jesus would do this. Jesus would go and he would get alone and he would pray. And last week we talked a little bit about the fact that prayer should not be a religious work that seems impossible and frustrating. That's not ever how God intended it to be. And so, like Jesus' friends and followers, we should just honestly, humbly come to Him and say, Jesus, we need help. Are you with me? We need help. Teach us to pray. And one of the first things that we can take away, which we discussed last week, is that prayer needs Loads of time, a private place, and your honesty. And the reality is is that if it is forced into a minute, a week, it's never going to be possible. It's always going to be difficult. It's always going to seem insurmountable. But if instead I can change the way I eat and sleep, change my life patterns so that I have waking time, quality time, How many of you know that if Rebecca is talking to me and I've fallen asleep, it's not quality time? (laughs) This year coming up on 18 years of marriage, it doesn't work that way. That's not a quality relationship. I'm just guessing. If I adjust my eating and sleeping habits, my time management, and I carve out loads of time, if it's private time, and I will not be fake and try to use big words that are beyond me, but I will instead come with honesty, then prayer, my airline to God, my survival line becomes possible. And a real relationship with the living God that makes a difference in your everyday life for real has a chance. We have people trying all sorts of things these days to feed their spirits. The worship of Yahweh God is the oldest of all of the human race. In all of human history, the worship and the communication with and the listening to Yahweh God, nothing has been practiced longer and has a richer tradition and has more proof that it is life-changing than the speaking to and the listening to Yahweh God. Have you considered that? This stuff works. It has been proven entire governments have dedicated themselves to stamping this out, and yet it prevails. In our network of churches, we have a gentleman in his 80s now who's been ministering in China for more than five decades. People just spent two years studying his ministry and have come to believe that in China, a country that at one time government, and a government that which still to this day executes Christians, has killed thousands of Christians, burned Thousands upon thousands of Bibles has done anything it could to erase a witness of this profound truth. And yet through the ministry of this one man that we are connected with that I know personally, Dennis Balcom, there is proof that there are more than than two million believers in China because of his ministry. Not because of him. He's not eloquent. He's not a superman because of Yahweh. And because this works, there is power in this communication. So Jesus gives us this example. And if I don't follow the example, if I don't have a sense of humility in my approach and that, hey, you know, I don't have it figured out. I don't know how to do this prayer thing. Jesus, you teach me how to pray. And if I'm going to just take the clear, simple, honest truth from the scriptures, if I'm going to just use some common sense and just try to apply the simple things that are obvious, I have to walk away with an observation that I've got to adjust my life and give loads of time A private place and honesty to prayer. And then how did Jesus teach us to pray? Well, the literal definition of the first words he says, when he says, pray like this, the literal words that he uses are, Daddy God, in heaven. Do you know that in all of scripture, in fact, in all of the human history that we have recorded, of all religions, Jesus was the first To say that. And imagine how Peter felt. Peter who lived in another region separate from the temple who would have to on certain festivals come and bring animals and bring money to worship Yahweh and there would be Isaiah and others that would be recited there was rich tradition there was rich smells there were there was there was music there was much there was it makes this look pathetic quite honestly the full uh, everything that was put to creating an atmosphere to worship the living God and he would have to come to the temple and he would pray the scriptures and then Jesus says Pray like this, Daddy God, who is in heaven. Yeah, it sounded crazier then than it sounds now. But it's Jesus who's talking. It's Jesus who initiates this entirely new way of addressing the living God. And if there's anyone in all of our history that is a credible witness to how God, the creator of the universe, the one true living God who is above any other God, wants to be addressed, Jesus is that expert. Jesus is the one we should go to. He's the one we should ask. And it's Jesus who says, pray like this. Daddy God, who is in heaven. Jesus knew that we would need help with this. He knew that we need a tool. He knew we need to put something in our hands, something in our brains that we could recite that has meaning. Now, we don't do high worship, liturgical worship here, but it's not because I don't value it. Uh, Christians for centuries have written very meaningful words that I think are very useful to repeat. We just believe that in our current culture today that it's better to not do church that way. But I have many friends who do church that way, and I respect them, and I value them. But if I'm going to have any liturgy, I should start with the liturgy of Jesus. And that liturgy is, Daddy God, who's in heaven? Starting my morning like that kind of changes the funk that I usually wake up in. Are you with me? Am I the only one who wakes up that way? i got to have a full cup of coffee, but do not talk to me before the coffee. Okay, here's what I want to just ingrain into us. Learning to pray Jesus' words brings you into a relationship with God where you know He hears you and answers you. Jesus isn't leading them into some empty prayer that God isn't listening to and that God doesn't answer. Prayer was not designed to be something that you think bounces off the walls. No one is listening. (laughs) Lord, no. Let me say this again. I want to just get this into our system. I, I could give you much more complicated sermons, but I'd rather do stuff that's useful. Learning to pray Jesus' words brings you into a relationship with God where you know He hears you and answers you. It brings you to that place. If I, if I don't come to that place, life is much more difficult. Now, I've lived life like that. And and I have to be honest with you. This series, this passage, is so. A lot of you know I prefer to start with reading a chapter of the Bible, but but we we got to get a verse that actually has meaning and depth. This practice of talking to God every day has become something that is essential to my life. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's a vacation, a day off, a sick day. It do, it does not matter. I. Now, view my airline as an essential point of contact if i don 't have my essential point of contact with God, I am my starving my spirit. I am choked This is what I really believe about for ben for me, for myself okay I have to I have to have this contact with God because of how I'm living my life and because I'm living my life on purpose for Him and that puts me in a place of having needs and, 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 and needing to see Him do miracles in order to help supply your needs and the needs that are in this city uh, but also just the sake of companionship. I've lived enough life, I've been beaten up enough, I've had enough difficulties in my life that I kind of came to a place at one point in my life where I, I said when I was just living for myself for a few years, I came to a, a point where it was like, you know what, if God's Not real, then the rest of this life is not worth living. It was an emotional, sure, but very much a logical conclusion for me as well as I had sought pleasure in many other ways. I came to a place of, you know what, if there isn't a God, then this life is not worth living. And from that day to this, every day I have communicated with Him. I have spoken to Him and I have listened to Him. And so this is a functional reality in my life. But what I found is that by myself and in my own ways, I found it very difficult. Anyone ever found talking to God difficult? And so what I started to do, thankfully I had some big brothers in the faith that started to teach me how to use Jesus' words here as a pattern for prayer. And what I find is that when I start with Daddy God who is in heaven, my whole, it, it's like a chiropractic adjustment. Have you ever had that, you know, I don't want to freak anyone out, but you know, whack and crack, you know, like, whoo! It's like uh, rearranging my emotions, my thoughts, and my perspective. Does that make sense? But it's needed, it's necessary, it's essential. Last week I talked a little bit about alpine climbing. Uh, there are many records in the world for mountain climbing stood for decades because the traditional format was 20 or 30 people would go and you'd camp and you'd hike and you'd camp. And, but because you're carrying all your food and all your water is very slow. And then they started this style of climbing, oftentimes just two at a time. And you can scale a mountain much quicker. You move very fast. You need a lot less food and water. You can get higher heights much quicker. And then all these different records for mountain climbing began to fall very, very quickly. Well, we have to come, Jesus knew that we would need this reminder. He knew that we would need this help. And so starting with Daddy God who is in heaven brings me to a place of a functional reality of I am climbing the mountain of my life and that God is my climbing partner. You see, when you do alpine climbing, every you have spikes on your feet and you have ice axe in each hand and every one of your four limbs that goes into the ice. It's a decision that you're making whether or not it can hold your whole weight. And so your dependency on your partner to not make a bad decision and fall and then thus pull you off the mountain so that you both die is a crucial thing. Similarly, who you link yourself to in this life is very important. That's why when we, Rebecca and I do premarital counseling and marriage counseling, and that's why when we talk to somebody who's engaged to a person that's got a lot of issues, we say, listen, you need to, what happens if this person never changes? Are you prepared to live your life if this person never changes? Who you link yourself to is very, very important, but what we are linked to in this life is Daddy God, who is not living in a back alley unable to get a job. No, no, no. We, we, we serve Daddy God who is in heaven. Who created heaven. The heavens, the Milky Way, the things that we are only yet just discovering and guessing about. It's daddy God in heaven that we speak to and the confidence that we have in our lives to live in such a way that we know that when we pray, he hears us and that he answers us. It is because we speak to daddy God who is in heaven. Now, I had hoped to get quite a bit farther today than I'm going to. So let me just intro the rest of it with this. And then we're going to spend a little bit of time in prayer. Daddy God who is in heaven, let your kingdom come, your will be done. There's this submission, there's this humility that's essential if you want to have a life that's full of peace, if you want to have a life that's full of joy. Jesus had described the kingdom of God in three words. Righteousness, which means in right relationship with God and with others. The kingdom of God is right relationships where things are clean, confessed, forgiven, headed the right direction, right relationship with God and with others, peace and joy. So when I pray and I see things that are wrong in my life, I know that from Isaiah 61, the way that God views his mission on this earth is to set the wrongs right. The reason that this coming weekend, some of us will serve in health and HIV screening block parties or Uh, a center for refugee resettlement or for the victims of of child sex trafficking, the reasons we are involved, and some of you professionally and with full-time and part-time are involved in justice issues, is because justice is setting the wrongs right. Justice is the mission of God in this earth. I thought I'd get a little bit more response than that. Right? Justice is... Setting the wrongs right, justice is the mission of God in this earth. But when I'm in the trenches, I get tired, I get broken, and I can feel overwhelmed. Now, you all know that I love Baltimore, and I know sometimes that may lead you to believe that I don't see how difficult it is to live here. It's not easy to live in Baltimore. It's not. And whether you were born here, whether you moved here, it's easy to get tired. It's easy to want to leave. It's easy to want to quit. It's easy to feel overwhelmed. It's easy to feel like, how can we ever? Well, guess what? It's not just us. Who are we connected to? Daddy God, who is in heaven. What does He see? When I look at a nearby row house that's cinder-blocked up, and the drug abuse, the corruption, what does God see? What is possible? So Gandhi had it right. We can be the change that we want to see. That's a God thing. We've been talking about faith this year. You've got to see what God sees. Agree with it. Pray and act. That's faith. Faith is not oblivious to what's difficult in your own life, in your home, and in your neighborhood. No, no, no. Faith sees, but it also sees what God sees. And so I humbly pray, Daddy God who is in heaven, let your name be holy in me and let your kingdom, your righteousness, peace, and joy, let your will be done inside me, in my home, in my neighborhood, in the school, and at the workplace. Amen? Amen. We'll talk about this more two weeks from now. Joe's going to come and lead us in a time of prayer before we close today.